Well, good morning. We are about to have another great conversation with one really awesome dude, Mr. Blake Gone um, of Gone Custom Speed, the father of the late Shane Gone. Um, this was the first conversation that I've had with him. I do plan on having more because this man is, an, is a legend in the sport. Um, he's done so much for so many people. And uh, he's uh, happy being behind the scenes doing what he does and, and helping people win. Uh, some people like being in the spotlight. Some people don't. And uh, But Blake uh, enjoys uh, the challenge that comes with what he does. And he's very, very good at it. Now, for the record, I purposely didn't bring up his son um, just for this conversation um, because it was the first time me and him have really sat down and talked one-on-one. And in all honesty, I wasn't sure how he would take it. So I figured, well, let's do the conversation so he gets familiar with me. And out of respect for him and his family, um, I purposely didn't bring that up. So for those... um, that are expecting to hear about that, you won't. Um, that's not the way this works. This is about what this man has to bring to the storyboard and uh, what he's learned, not necessarily what they've had to face. Um, now, in future conversations, it will be completely up to Blake. I will not, again, I don't ambush, so when we do talk about his son in the future, um, me and him will have a pre-conversation before we record um, because his son did bring a lot to the sport. I mean, he was a um, he was popular. He was beloved. Um, there's a bunch of stories there that uh, I think should be saved and recorded, but that will be up to Blake um, what gets shared. So, without further ado, this session is brought to you by Pablo Gonzalez Racing, because this one was done at ZMAX earlier this year, and Pablo Gonzalez was the reason that I was able to attend that event. So, um, this session is made possible by the support and friendship of Pablo Gonzalez of Pablo Gonzalez Racing. Please support him on Facebook, he's on Instagram, and on his website, pg2racing.com. He needs sponsors um, for future races and we have uh, some special news coming from the camp of Pablo Gonzalez soon. So here is our conversation with Blake Gone. Alright, this is JT. We are on May 16th, Z-Max Dragway and I have Blake Gone sitting with me today. So, I am pronouncing your name right, right? Yep, Gan. Gan. Yeah. Okay, Blake Gan. Yep. Well, it makes you feel any better. I screwed up Mike's name earlier. That's so okay. That's okay. So, uh, all right. A um, ton of y'all already know this man. So, And we've got a couple different things we're going to touch on today with Blake. But first of all, how long have you been in the sport? When did it start for you? 1996. AMA Pro Star. Uh, first year at NHRA was 2000. Wow. So, okay. And not as a writer, right? Nope, never a rider. Never a rider? Just an owner and a crew chief and having fun with my son mostly. So enjoying all that back, back behind the scenes stuff. So, yep. Now a lot of people speak highly of you. So now in the sport has changed so much. Clearly we're watching 200 mile an hour drop all over the boards this weekend. Um, what's your opinion of where, where it was when you got started to where it is today? 
Well, it's a lot different. You know, when we got started, there was no B-twins even in the sport. It was yeah. all just Suzuki's, you know. We were 1,500 cc's, much smaller engines, a lot slower. Uh, budget's a lot smaller, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I've seen it progress through the years. You know, we got our first B-twin in 2008. And, uh, you know, we, we liked it because we, we just like racing. We're not tied to any brand, you know. We just want to be competitive. So, uh, you know, we've we, we won races with both both brands, Suzuki's and Buell's. Yeah. So. Is one is one easier to work on than the other, or it's just that they each have their challenges? Um, no, I, you know, I started building motorcycles, like I say, and it's just been. Uh, I started working on the engines when I was twelve, and you know that was uh, you know like nineteen seventy two, and then uh, you know I started building car engines when I was sixteen, and those were V eight Chevrolets, you know, okay. big blocks, and so. You know, I've had experience with both. When I got the first V twin, I just turned the engine sideways and looked at it like a V eight car, and said, "Well, there's no soils back there behind the first tube, but we'll just we'll pretend that they are." And we started oh, cool. like that. You know, and it worked out fine. We were competitive right off the bat. So. Now, when you were younger, who you who you look up to when you got into racing? Who was your who was your idols in racing, even if it's car related? Um, you know, like what little bit I was. You know, into that at that time, you know, like Grumpy Jenkins and things like that. You know, there was a period I fell out of racing. You know, I uh, raced for a few years with a car. You know, up till Sean was born in '78, and then uh, got into building competition guns and didn't look at a motorcycle or a motor uh, other than dirt bikes. Yeah. And my, you know, the, the the 12 years that we built guns and didn't participate in motorsports, uh, every almost every night that it went raining, my son and, and me would go out and. Uh, We'd race in the field, in the dirt field at our shop, you know, and, and we'd come in about 11 o'clock at night and you'd cut Sarah's face for the dirt, you know, and uh, so we, we never really got out of that competitive racing, you know, oh. you know and, he, and he really liked it, you know. When, when did, it, was that really when it shined in him, that you knew there was, you knew there was something there? Yeah, he, he, he loved to race, and of course, I, at that 12-year that, that period up to 92, I, I had done nothing but build guns, and, and he didn't like that at all, because you know, he grew up all his you know, first 12 years with guns, and it wasn't very exciting to him, because he grew up with it. And, it. and it was also a chore, because when he got off the school bus every day, he had to pick up all the brass to get the, get the, the bullets loaded. My wife loaded the ammo for us to shoot, so, and I shot professionally, so um, his job was, was more work than it was pleasure. So he looked forward to when the shooting was over and the work was over. Let's go race the dirt bikes out in the field before it gets oh, too late, Daddy. I got to go to bed. So we would go race out in the field. And then, uh, you know, 1992 or three, I, you know, I was so burnt out of building guns. And, you know, Sean said, "Man, I wish we could do something together. Let's 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 race some." And I thought, well, I used to race cars. We'll we'll start racing motorcycles. How's that? He said, "That'd be great." So went and bought a GSXR, built it, and started taking them to the local drag strip over Piedmont, and we started racing and just. It grew from there because the gun business was really good at that time. And I told Sean, I said, we're not going to really get away from this gun business. It's too good right now. Let's let's just, let's do this for a hobby. We'll have us a good hobby together. Well, that didn't last long at all. You know, but, you know, it just seemed like a blink of an eye. You know, we had a transfer truck trailer and we were racing. So. Oh, wow. 
said you were in the competition. Yeah. So how how did what kind of competition? I'm not that. I've seen it on TV a little bit, but not well, that much. At that time, we were doing competition handgun, and okay. we were traveling all over. We were shooting steel challenge out in California, which is where you go to shoot a lot of steel targets as fast as you can. Okay. We went to Michigan to shoot bowling pins. It's hard to imagine driving, you know, thousands of miles to go shoot five <laughs> bowling pins off a table. But at that time, you know, we were getting paid to do that. It's what we did for a living. I thought, okay. you know, I've been so blessed because in, in 1969, my daddy bought me a new 50cc Suzuki motorcycle. And within a week, he bought me a 22 rifle. And I knew right then, I said, this is this is probably what I love, guns and motorcycles. So all my life, I have built guns and motorcycles since I was a child. It's never stops, never slowed down. And I'm back into guns now, we continually, it's 50-50. Yeah. I do 50% racing, 50% guns. Wow. Now your competition shooting is that like the quick draw type thing where you? Well, do it used target? to be. Now, now we build competition rifles. And my son, before he passed away, he won a, a state championship in our state. Oh, wow. Yep, for the rimfire, and he he was enjoying that as well with the racing. Okay. You know, so we, we both have enjoyed. And I didn't think he'd ever enjoy shooting after the childhood. Didn't like it at all. But then you know, later on years, he thought right, that's pretty cool, Dad. Let's do some of that together too. And we did. We did. Are you in the, any championships at that shooting? Well, the the oh, it's second chance. That was okay. the body armor match that they had in Michigan, where they shoot pins. They had okay. 672 shooters. I finished second overall. Holy crap! Yeah, and that was 1986. That's the highest I ever finished. Never won a, wow. a national, but did finish second one year. Man, that's a that's a happy to be filled. Now the the precisions of the the precision necessary because clearly you've got to be precise when you're designing a handgun and, and weapons. Do you think that helped you when you transitioned over to? Because clearly you've got to have the same precision. Sure, when it, 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 it did. Because uh, you know when before we got into racing, I was building the guns and I had milling machines and lays and, and all kinds of you know precision equipment in the shop and yeah. we used that to uh, you know when we got out of the guns, I had all these machines there and I thought well I can use these to help work on the engines and that's what we did. Mm -hmm. Of course later on you know we we bought CNC machines. We have rows up now, so we manufacture a lot of parts and. You know, I, I guess even today here at this race in Charlotte at Z-Max, I think probably over half the field are running our clutch that we designed and started manufacturing in 2006. And be prior to prior to our conversation, so let me turn this off so this stupid phone don't do that again. So, um, the um, you've had a pretty good influence in the sport, so and uh, how many how many racers? So have you either uh, helped or worked with over the years? If you if you could there, try to put a number, on there, there, there's so many I can't I can't even think of all the names. I know Matt Smith. He he made his first pass at an NHR race on our motorcycle. I think oh, it was right. 2001 or 2002. Uh, he rode our old Oakley bike that we raced in 2000. And then uh, we learned Angie Smith. We bought her her first motorcycle and taught her how to ride. Wow. Uh, the, you know, Katie Sullivan. Uh, I mean, there's just so many out there. Uh, you know that I, I can't even think of all of them. It's been a lot of people over the years. All right, now going back for you, from your standpoint, what's your, what's the most memorable moment? It could, I mean, it could be, it could be a particular race, a victory. It could be something younger. So, uh, what's the one memory that really pops out for you when you when you look back at? Um, your career? Uh, the, the most memorable moment was in uh, 2001 when we won the highly dominated duel. 
had ended. Okay. That was really, you know, we'd never won anything. You know, that was our first thing that we won. And uh, we were lucky to be in the top. I think they only took like the top eight. Oh, wow. You know, during qualifying of the year to get you into this event. Okay. Know, and we squeaked in. And then when he won the event, that, that was pretty amazing. That was pretty special. Yeah. So it's almost like a Rose Bowl or something. There's only a select number right. of people allowed to participate. Right. Oh, wow. That's too cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, he won that. And then that same year, we won uh, Las Vegas that same year. Oh, wow. 2001. So we had two wins that year. And we were pretty new in the, in the sport, you know. We were building our own engines and doing our, you know, doing our own thing. And it, was, it was pretty cool. Now, this next question is going to lead into something a little bit later in the conversation. But when y'all first started into it, how long did it take it before you were competitive, for lack of a better? You obviously get into it, you're green. This is a different type of racing than other type of dry racing. How long was that transition for you before you became competitive? Luckily, we were competitive immediately. And, and, and looking back, I don't even see how that was possible. But, you know, we, we run, like I say, two. We started running uh, AMA Pro Star in 96, and Sean was 16. He raced two years at 18 years old because you can't race till you're 18. So he raced the first two years at 18, <laughs> and then the, the next two at 18. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we, we got we got a couple of years of experience at Pro Stock at AMA Pro Star, and he finished second in the points. And of course, that was with a four valve engine. You know, they, they didn't allow those in, in NHRA. Okay. So in, in 2000, I, you know, Sean said, "No, oh, we just need to go to NHRA. That, that's where we might have picked up some sponsors and lose that just." Too cool. We can be on TV. He said. <laughs> I said okay. So we got our first cylinder head. Um, we bought. We got a, a bare casting a great Ford, and we did all the machine work and built the engine. And I told Sean, I said, I have no idea if we'll be competitive. We did no testing with it, anything. We went straight to the Gator. We we just got it finished the week before the Gator Nationals. Didn't didn't own a dyno. Took it straight to the racetrack. Qualified number nine, and won the first round and put out Gino Scali in the first round, which was riding Greg Coach's bike. So not only did we go in the first race qualify, and we actually went rounds at the first event. Wow. Now, when you look back at, let's say, so to help people that are coming in the sport, obviously a bunch of people already here, they know know how pro stock, any kind of class at NHRA, it's tough. Um, What kind of challenges what kind of challenges did you have then, and what are the challenges now? So, from, not necessarily from your team, but just like if somebody wanted to come in this, you say, okay, this is what you're going to need. So, these are the kind of challenges we dealt with back then, but hey, it might be tougher now. Yeah. Well, the, the big challenge is just cash. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the biggest challenge because, you know, if you're going to do this full time, of course, you can't work. You can't have a job. It's hard to make money if you don't work. Yeah. So, you know, to have enough money to come to the races and, and, and be able to build or buy competitive equipment, um, that, that's that's the biggest hurdle, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a common answer, I get. <laughs> now, we're, um, um, we're going to toggle back a little bit to the difficulties of pro stock motorcycle. And we know that it's far more difficult than many people believe. So I usually I snicker at the comments. I don't answer them because I stay politically correct. I don't want to stir the pot. I'm not one of those people. Um, but clearly, usually when I see those comments, I was like, "You haven't been here." Because me, what I'm here, I'm in kind of in the middle. I'm between the higher ups and I'm between the racers, so I kind of get to hear and see things that most people don't. Sure. And um, they 
truly don't understand. I, many of them that make those kind of comments truly don't understand what it takes to participate here. Now, you've uh, taken on um, Pablo Gonzalez. He's come on. Um, when you have a new racer that comes in like that, because Pablo has a lot of experience, but again, this is a different person. First stock motorcycle is different. So, what kind of advice can you give them based on the experience with Pablo? How's he doing? Pablo's doing really well. He's had a lot of experience, but you know, pro stock is there's a lot of finesse in riding those motorcycles. So, little mistakes make the difference of qualifying, not qualifying. And I, I think. Pablo has got a lot of great experience, and now he's learning the finesse of the sport. Okay. And he's learned a very lot about how to uh, how complicated it is mm -hmm. to ride one of these motorcycles. The least error can can affect things. You know, you know, you miss a gear change two or three hundred RPM, or you hit the rev limit in one gear, and it, you know it slows the bike down. So, the, you know, it, it, he's learned a very lot in the last you know, three events. And, and when he makes a mistake, he also beats himself up. He, he sees that. He knows that mistake. When I go to pick him up at the end of the track, he says, oh, man, I did that. You know, and then we'll come back and, you know, we'll confirm that on the race pack. And we'll look at it and analyze it and try to figure out how we don't let that happen again. You know? But do you, do you think that's, uh, I mean, is that a common, I mean, in a, not necessarily, we're using the general term of a racer. When a racer can admit that he did something wrong, is how common is that in racers? I, I see it. I see a lot of people make excuses. Yeah, yeah. But I don't see Pablo do that from my point. No, What's no. your view? I've, I've dealt with a lot of racers that, that they, they do no wrong until you get back and show them they absolutely can't ride them. Yeah. yeah and okay. then once you once they sit on, on the screen and they can't ignore it, then they, they kind of understand, that, well, yeah, that was me. But no. Uh, and the other half of the riders know they made the mistake and they'll tell me about it before I ever get back to the race pack unit. They'll say, man, I messed up. And that, that was Pablo since day one. It's like, yep, I messed up right here and we've got to go back. And he'll he beat himself up after the race. And I said, Pablo, look, man, you ain't got enough experience. Don't beat yourself up. <laughs> you know, you'll you, you get through it and you're getting better. Every, I see you improving every race. I mean, think about it. He, his last pass today was the quickest he run since he, he started. So. It's, we haven't lost any ground. Yeah. We've constantly got faster. And then the last pass, you know, yesterday he finally seen, you know, could have went a lot faster. You yeah. know, even faster again. I can still go even faster every event. So he's that's, he's making steps forward. Well, I know we we talked briefly too. And the NHRA, uh, when you're in this event, whether you're on a motorcycle or the cars, there's a lot more pressure, in my opinion, with the NHRA event because. The history behind it, the television behind it, the there's, I mean, spectators. These people are loving these 200 mile an hour motorcycle oh, passes. Um, but that pressure. What do you think that pressure does to a rider? I think it does more than most people think. You know, when when you're out having fun, enjoying something, and then when you've got you know a million people watching you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, things turn. Yeah. Your your mind gets a little twisted. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know Pablo with the onboard camera watching him. You know, you know the things like that yesterday. And he's trying to. I think he he overthought the situation. He's trying to do so well okay. that it it will incur you to make mistakes. That's the problem. You know, you kind of put more pressure on yourself than you need to. That's just, and of course the 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 rider will grow beyond that with more seat time, right? As long as they got the right yeah, attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. As long as they get the right attitude, that's it. 
and you look up in the stands and see all those thousands of people, you just best ignore it yeah. and say, I'm here just to run my race and have a good time. But, and there's a, with the four wides though, wouldn't that generate even more pressure? It would. Yeah. It would. I mean, because I know these guys are, they get used to not to try to tune out the person, but when you're newer at it, right. it it's, there's still got to be that pressure. Yeah. It's got to right. be overwhelming and, and to a degree. Yeah, when you look at those pre-stage lights, mm-hmm. And now you've got twice as many to focus on because after the first guy stages, you know, you have that seven seconds to get in or you'll time out. I know Sean's first pass at the four wide in 2000, I think it was nine, uh, first lap he timed out. You know, and, and, you know, that's, so it, it is a lot more difficult when you're trying to look at, you know, four Christmas trees versus your own, you know. Was he the kind too that beat himself up? So what do you get kind of? mad at himself no Sean was more of the kind I, I, I had to show him his mistake and convince uh, okay. him he made one <laughs> okay yeah now the um, where you're at now where are you going from here right now I'm just enjoying things yeah. you know uh, I, I still enjoy racing some I enjoy the shooting and you know 62 years old now so uh just try to help people and come to the racetrack and just try to you know enjoy enjoy life you know what's a what's a what's a, a favorite story of yours even if it necessarily wasn't yours in drag racing which one really sticks it could have been a race you watched or something you heard or something you read what's a what's a good memory from drag racing it can't even be car related so. yeah, i don't know you know just enjoy it all you know for a lot of years i never kept up with drag racing the, the period i was with guns you know so all i have you know memories of the, the good memories and things that really pop out is just the things that you know we did during our racing career yeah you know the, the last race we won in 2013 at denver you know really sticks out because we've been struggling for a while and he, you know he managed to win that race and it was uh you know it was a good thing you know at the end of the racetrack you know we were all real religious and he he managed to remember to, to you know thank God for this, this you know this pleasure of getting to win this race. You know, it was a good thing. Very right, cool. All right, well we're going to um, let this man get back out here and enjoy this racing we got because we've got one more round of them people going. Um, quick question though, as a shooter, so who do you so that we can go back and look at shooting because the interest outside what shoot because you were in the shooting before you got in the racing. Who would you look up to in that avenue? You're good. So, um, it, when we were shooting pistols, you know, there was there were some guys like you know Brian Ennis and Rob Latham that that were shooting competitive at that time was you know was way more competitive than me, you know. And then after a year or so, you know, we were all competitive with each other. You know, we all went to events together. Um, so the, those were the people that at that time that I you know looked up to in the shooting. I must make it. That's like the, that's like going up against Matt and them here for, oh, for yeah. shooting, ain't it? Yeah. Being able to compete Absolutely. and mix yeah. with them guys there. Yeah. So. That's what, so competitive shooting, that's something we can go look at. That's something new. and Because the object of the conversations is to, is to pull something away from them right. and open up our interest so we can look at it from different ways. And uh, obviously this man has a wealth of technical information. We'll get into that in a future conversation. So, and uh, But um, we have uh, the Sean Gian shirts. They're available yep. on the Midway. Yep. So, and we have some decals too. Yep, we have decals too. Okay. All right. So, Sean Gann, Batman's, they are absolutely cool looking shirts. So, y'all make sure y'all 
get to the races and get them. So, is there a place to order them online, or is it just available? I'm on sure the if Z. I'm sure it's a place to order. Okay, all right. I'll double check that for y'all uh, when I walk back over there because I was talking to them about something else. Okay. And uh, so we'll add that to the comments here, so that we can go. So, uh, but that shirt is awesome, and that decal is awesome. So let's pick them up and put them on our cars, put them on our bikes, and wear the shirt. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll be talking to Blake again real soon. And uh, him and Pablo, they were making some noise this weekend, making some progress. So thank you so much for your time today, sir. Okay. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. This is um We'll have uh, longer ones as it goes along. When we got done, I always have a post-conversation with my guests and ask them, um, is there any other anything else I should do, any suggestions for me so that I can become a better interviewer? And um, during that conversation, um, he expressed that he enjoyed it and uh, it wasn't as bad as he feared because apparently he hasn't been approached a lot over the years which surprises me considering what this man knows and what he's done so um, I want to thank you Blake for sitting down with me and I look forward to future conversations and once more just as a reminder this session was made possible by Pablo Gonzalez Racing at pg2racing.com he's on Instagram on Facebook at Pablo Gonzalez Racing he's looking for sponsors for future NHRA events not only for 2021 but 2022 um, he does have a plan he does have a goal so uh, let's help get him there and I want to thank you all so much for keeping up. And this is JT. I'm out of here, but not for long. I shall be back with somebody else. <laughs>